Hi, thanks for listening in today. I'm Michael David Davis with TAS CEO, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Cheers. Let's go ahead and get started. We've all just kind of been hanging out, chatting a little bit, getting to know each other beforehand. So thanks for everyone that's here and uh, joining us live. We are going to be talking about some wonderful strategies around COVID-19 and how that's kind of really impacted us all uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, we have three wonderful guest speakers with us that have taken the time uh, here for an hour to kind of really enlighten what they're doing themselves as their leadership and their role and also what they're doing with their company and, and, and what that uh, impact has had an effect. And hopefully uh, we're, we're going to learn something. Uh, I know that's what I'm here for. And I think many of you are as well. And so really without any further ado, uh, just give you guys uh, a little bit of introduction here. We have Peter Sacco from uh, Adelante Shoe Company is the founder and CEO uh, we have Valter Abels, who is the VP of Sales of NADA. And then last but not least, of course, we have X Wang, who is the founder of Essence of Email. Please come on in and give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are and of what got you started with your company. Head it off, Peter. Hey guys, Peter Sacco. I started Adelante Shoe Company a few years ago after working in economic development down in Latin America after college and uh, what we do is we hand make shoes down in Guatemala. They're made to order and we deliver them direct to your door in 10 days. Uh, because they're made to order, we can do any length, any width. We can uh, personalize the style for you. And over the course of those 10 days, we introduce you to your craftsman. You get a video of him hand making your shoes. So I like to say that we actually sell a 10 day experience that culminates in the best pair of shoes that you've ever worn. Yeah, that's kind of how it started started, and, and, and what we do. Valter, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. Yeah, so my name is Valter Herbels. Um, as, as you can uh, hear of my accent, I'm, I'm from the Boston area. No, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm Dutch. Uh, I've been, I moved over to the United States uh, four years ago. I've been with NEDAP for uh, more than seven years now. In comparison to, uh, to some of the other speakers here, my, con my company is, uh, is over 90 years old. We have different business units and I work for the business unit retail. And what we do is we design, develop uh, intelligent software and hardware based on RFID technology for the retail sector. We focus on both security, uh, so a loss prevention perspective and also uh, stock management software. The most interesting of, of our company is basically that although we're 90 years old, the most important part of, of NEDAP is being an entrepreneur and being able to come up with new ideas and, and develop them yourself. In that role, uh, they moved me over to, uh, to the United States. I made 17 trips in one year. When I decided, I said, look, if you want me to do the, the United States or Americas, basically, then you, uh, you either move me over or I'm going to do Europe again. Uh, so apparently uh, <laughs> moving over was a better idea. So we're, uh, we're developing the, the America's market. I'm very happy to, to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Awesome. That's great. X, let's, let's hear a little bit about you. I'm Xiaohui Wang and uh, I go by X as indicated there. It's just easier for most people to pronounce. So I found the essence of email back in very late 2013. So we're coming up on almost six and a half years now. Essentially what we do is we're a digital marketing company that works uh, primarily on the email and retention channel side. And our clientele to date have primarily been e-commerce brands and e-commerce stores. Um, so we work with over 250 brands in our existence so far. My team's about 30 people, give or take. And uh, I actually started a company remotely from the start. So that gives me a little bit uh, of an interesting experience um, given the current COVID environment um, where some things have not changed at all and some things have, uh, have kind of changed uh, both for better and for worse. So I think that would be an interesting little perspective to share with y'all today as well. And it's why I'm glad each of you are here to kind of share that light on each little segment. Um, and I want to dive definitely deeper into that. And I want to give a shout out to the quiet few. Uh, they are the drink providers of this happy hour. This time they have their TQF dirty martini. It's this dirty martini that gives you a nice uh, kick. But I, I want to dive right into Peter with you to kind of touch uh, a little bit on the retail side. 
how does Adelante adapted to that during this particular COVID lockdown time? So about 70% of our sales uh, come from e-commerce. Um, and so this was, you know, a few months ago, say January, February, um, 70% of our sales were coming off of e-commerce. And then the other 30% would come from both uh, like brick and mortar showrooms and pop-up shops in Boston, New York, and DC. Fast forward a few months and we have no physical retail channel anymore. Um, so 30% of our revenue right there is, is, you know, wiped off the map. Um, and, you know, we're obviously standing by, uh, in hopes that we can reopen that channel at some point soon. But in the meantime, that revenue is gone, 30% gone right there. Um, and then our digital business has fallen about 50%. Um, so our, our revenues dropped significantly. We've had to, uh, I mean, really retool to an extent that we never, we never had. I mean, uh, not a lot of people uh, are looking at a $240, $250 pair of shoes right now uh, that you'd wear out, um, you know, to, to either to work or, uh, you know, to a bar or, or a restaurant or whatever and saying, you know, that's, that's an essential purchase for me. For the first time in the history of the company, uh, you know, we've had to figure out on the fly how to pivot our physical product offering, how we are positioning it uh, to the customer, and then also how we're selling it. From a product perspective, we have introduced a lot of, and are, and are increasingly doing so over the next couple of months, but a lot of lower price point um, items. We're coming out with a, a, a moccasin at a low price point. It's going to be $95 that folks can wear at home. There's a do-it-yourself laptop kit, wallets, bags, um, things of that nature that people can bundle together uh, and you know get the whole thing at, at a discounted price, including the shoes. We've had to do some rapid product development to introduce products that are more fitting or, or, or I guess, more relevant to the moment. And then from a positioning perspective, uh, we have found that folks are really responding to brands that are um, that that they that they can purchase from, and then that purchase directly impacts you know folks that are impacted by COVID, and that's uh, you know not too hard for 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 us. Um, we've had a mission from day one to, to, to positively impact the craftsmen that we employ down in Guatemala. So it wasn't hard for us to develop a program down here where every purchase uh, goes to fund a, a care package of essential goods that one of our craftsmen receives or somebody, uh, uh, usually a craftsman in the community down here in Guatemala that is out of work as a result of COVID, they would receive that care package. We rolled out that program. It's called the Pastores Fund. We find that that's really resonating with folks. And then from a, from a sales tactics uh, perspective, we've really doubled down on, on the digital channel Facebook has been up and down in, in terms of customer acquisition cost. We are reaching back out to a lot of our existing customers, re-engaging with them, lots of email action, also installing you know, a chat feature on the website so that we can directly engage with customers. Uh, so there's a, a few different things that we're doing on the digital front to try to come out on the other side of this crisis with a better developed digital business as well as secondary products, et cetera, et cetera. So trying to view it as an opportunity, but you know, it is, it's, it's certainly, it's been a huge challenge for us. It's been a huge challenge. It, it sounds like you, you're pivoting more, if I understand you correctly, even into a lifestyle brand. You mentioned um, the, the Pastores Fund, and I, I would love for you to chat about that a little bit more of what it is and why you kind of chose Guatemala and then how that Pastores Fund is uh, helping and assisting with that. For everybody that is listening. I originally started Adelante to do economic development um, in Latin America. So I wasn't like a crazy shoe fanatic. Uh, rather, I had worked for a few different nonprofits down here after, after college. Felt like we weren't really addressing the root cause of poverty or social inequality. But if we could employ people 
define the goods and services uh, that they say they need to live well and then pay them enough to consume them, uh, we call that the living well line, then that would be you know, the, the most sustainable way to do economic development in some of these developing countries. So it's, it's funny, actually, the idea of handing out free food boxes is, is sort of contrary to our approach to economic development, which is really kind of based. Um, I actually say in general that you don't do development in a sustainable way by giving to anybody. Um, but, you know, in an emergency crisis situation, it, it's, it's just a different landscape. We're continuing to employ as many folks as we can, obviously, and, and pay them over the living well line. We're trying to make up for some lost ground or middle ground there with the Pastores Fund as well. Is there a geopolitical climate difference between what business is like in the U.S. and in, in Guatemala and its COVID-impacted Guatemala differently than the U.S. and how you've kind of, you know, addressed that? From a, a geographic perspective, I mean, the president of Guatemala actually got a pretty good jump on preventative measures with COVID, which was really nice to see. Uh, we had the benefit of him actually being a doctor. Hypothetically, you know, he understands uh, this sort of thing, or at least has a, a bit more of a perspective on it. When there was only a handful of cases identified in Guatemala, the president had instituted a curfew, shut all the, all the borders, interdepartmental travel bans, all sorts of stuff like that. And I, I would say it's paying off. Uh, Guatemala has, I think, about 500 cases right now, maybe 15 or so people that have passed away. It could certainly be a lot worse. But uh, <clears throat> I mean, I would say from, from a political perspective, the, the big difference is just that, I mean, a couple of things. One, it's a lot easier in a country like Guatemala for um, a virus to really get out of control. There's a lot of disenfranchised folks that are uh, you know, don't necessarily have the means to take care of themselves. So there's a large vulnerable population. But at the same time, for better or worse, I would say generally for worse, leaders in countries like this have a tendency to deal with this sort of thing with a harder approach or, you know, a more aggressive approach, I guess, a more authoritarian approach. Um, and there's less checks and balances, which in this case, I would say, you know, generally, I'm not a fan of that because uh, it sort of flies in the face of, of democratic institutions. But um, in this case, uh, I'm, I'm applauding the president for having taken such aggressive action early um, even if it means suspending civil liberties because it has been effective in, in containing the virus. Nice. And then ultimately, like, how can all of us, uh, for those that are watching and listening and will be listening in the future, how can we kind of help with that? The answer would be get a pair of shoes. Uh, so, you know, check out the website if you haven't. You know, every pair of shoes funds, funds a box. We've got some discounts going on right now. Uh, for I think at least a couple more weeks as, as we try to get on stable ground. Check out the website. It's a great mission, great product. And uh, yeah, good, good time to appreciate it. Peter, thank you. That was great. I appreciate that. Voucher, how have you been affected as a global company? Yeah, so it's good and, and, and bad uh, from several perspectives. I blame myself even on how I changed my perspective on COVID versus in January and now. It was a completely different approach and a completely different mindset that I had personally compared to what it is now. And that being said, I was a little bit aware because China went on lockdown, I think somewhere in January, half January, I believe. And we have an office in Shanghai and Hong Kong. And the, the interesting part of that was that our colleagues were not worried at all uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, we go in lockdown, we cover our face, we've been through this before, everybody's going to, to live up to that, and, and I'm sure we'll back on track soon. Not necessarily, uh, it's obviously not their fault, but that didn't give me or my colleagues the idea that, that, that we needed to do something completely different. Now, that being said, we did see 
obviously a decline of business because we sell to retail stores. Uh, the moment that a retail store closes or, or people can't go in there anymore, that's significantly, that is not good for our business, let's put it that way. But the good thing about that is, and that's the other side, and that's also the positive side is what we see in Asia right now is that it's picking up, that stores are opening again, that foot traffic is back, not where it should be, but a lot better than we would have expected. And it also gives us as a company a very sustainable out, uh, view on our sustainable way of, of doing business because obviously our headquarters is in Europe, but China is picking up and, and Asia is picking up now. So we can, you know, not only, uh, I'm not talking from a dollar perspective, but I also talk from a moral perspective. Uh, we see that business is picking up there. We share that through the whole company, uh, what things are changing there and that things are getting better. And I notice within my team, but also the, the team in Europe that we take, um, uh, you know, that, that, in, that inspires everybody. It inspires people to, to know that things are getting better and that we are able to, to live through this with the measurements that need to be in place. And like Peter said, there's there's opportunities as well. And there's you know you got to pivot, you got to be you got to got to change your approach. Sometimes you're already on the right path, but now you got to change your narrative because you you have technology that you know um, in store. You talk about the experience, yeah, it's still important. But the experience now is I don't want to be close to people. Instead of I want to have a seamless experience. So. You know, the narrative is going to be difficult. But to get back to the point of, of the, the global company, it also gives us early insight in what's going on in other countries and be able to, to adapt that to the United States. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but at least you have the feeling that you have the knowledge uh, or, or you know, the knowledge of the experience uh, in other countries. And that's, that's very beneficial. You mentioned about pivoting and the, you know, you, you might've been prepared, but you've had to pivot and have those conversations uh, or attitudes change. What, what does that look like from your perspective to your team? I think it's important to understand where your customer's pain is and, and help to bring solutions to them. I think that's key in being a successful salesperson because if you don't solve a solution or a, a problem or a need, uh, there's uh, no possibility of sustainable growth from a sales perspective. If you don't, if you if you don't do that into your market, I I wouldn't see how you can be very effective. Maybe you're lucky, and maybe I'm just not good at it. But that's that's my view on how I would like to do sales. And you know that has shifted in enormously because as everybody know, retail is in lockdown in the United States. A lot of people are furloughed. A lot of people lost their jobs. And the ones that didn't have different uh, mindsets and different problems right now than they had before. Um, one of the things that we did and what we believe in is educating the market and educating them in our technology as, as a, uh, in general, not necessarily on our products. One of the things that we have started to promote and help our customers with is to educate their teams, the ones that got furloughed or the ones that maybe had less to do because there's no stores open. Uh, so we started to focus a lot on that. We started to focus on making sure that our customers were okay, their families were okay, stay close to our customers when, you know, when we, were, we could be of any help. And sometimes that resulted in, in, in opportunities that we didn't even think we, we could do with our software and with our hardware. I think that is on the external side. On the internal side, what has been very important is to make sure that your team stays positive. I mentioned it in my, in, in my previous answer on the global company, but we try to do everything we can and find every strain of good news to make sure that we share that through our company. We're lucky that we work for a company that has put their employees on number one spot and do everything to maintain everybody. That helps enormously, but I think it's a it's a it's a day-to-day, -day, I wouldn't call it struggle, but make sure that you have an emphasis on, you know, uh, asking if everybody is okay, making sure that their families are okay. It, it seems very very easy and it seems very, uh, it's the little things that you can do, but I have experienced that those kind of things make people to go forward. And I, and I honestly believe that as a team, we come out way stronger out of this crisis than before. And I feel that as a team, we, we can grow uh, into a way more effective team. So 
I'm trying to take all the positive things out of it. Um, we have some remote people, for example, and, and X, we talked about that a little bit before, but uh, I think for them, it's been a lot better than before because we do daily meetings now. We didn't do that before, but you know, I, I feel it's important that we see each other's face every day for 10 minutes or an hour, whatever the conversation goes. And sometimes we talk an hour about business and sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's an hour about uh, something that goes on in, in, in the news or, or maybe not as much related to our business, but it's important to people. Create that rest and create that, uh, uh, um, you know, that good feeling in our team uh, it has resulted in that everybody has a positive atmosphere, a positive vibe. And I already see that that brings new ideas. So we, we do brainstorms or we figure out how our software uh, can change the, the lives of retailers in another way, in another experience. And that's been very beneficial to us in, in the creativity of our people. So, you know, uh, it's a, you, you hope it, it's going to change soon, but until that day, you take every opportunity that bring, that comes to you and, and turn it into a good way. Was this something that became more present or, or was it something that actually just you it, it adapted into because of COVID? So I think it has become more important. I think that it's it's the company we are as a general, as a, as a just in general. But it has it has become more obvious since this crisis. And uh, I think as as a leader of a team, it also you know made us take a step back and make sure that we focus on certain things more now that you do everything through video versus uh, maybe let it come natural when you're in the office. So you have to make, make some changes and, and make sure that you ask people specifically. It doesn't come up on the, like when you have a coffee at the office anymore. So there's, there's changes that you need to, need to make as a leader, but obviously it is in our DNA. It is in, in who we are. It is in how we think about people, what kind of people we hire, uh, but still you need to adapt. And, and, you know, I, like I said before, I think that, Companies, teams can come out a lot stronger out of this crisis. And, you know, especially even in retail, um, the, the ones that are in deep trouble right now in retail is not because this crisis. It's also because they had some problems before. It just makes it worse and it makes it very obvious. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, we believe retail will, will, will continue to exist and, and, um, uh, the experience just becomes different and, and internally and externally uh, it becomes different and you need to adapt you need to pivot and you need to make sure that you stay on top of everything that's going on and luckily also uh, we've been very lucky at NIDA that we get these tools and we get everything we're able to uh, maintain all our employees and, and, and so there's a lot of factors that that play into that but uh, we still got to use those tools. You mentioned the tools and having those remote workers now and that's just really throwing it right into x into your category uh i think that you're the best person on here to probably speak about uh, what that remote life is like uh especially since COVID has happened for many of us we've had to adapt to what seems to be uh, the essence of emails way of life since the inception if you can give us a bit of insight of your world of that i'd love to hear about it yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I kind of, uh, the origin story is I unintentionally started the business to promote a lifestyle almost because um, I, I had caught the travel bug uh, a while back and I decided to just buy a one-way ticket to, to Thailand and, and spend about four years running around the world um, and, and, and thus building a business from the ground up remotely from a start. So it's very much in everything that we work. Um, so right now I actually have a large contingent of my team based in Europe, even though we service North American companies mostly. Um, and we also have, you know, some distributed, uh, global brands as well as ones in Australia and in Europe itself. So, um, so very much, I think, I think there are a lot of challenges, but also sort of some forcing functions like Walter was kind of mentioning that when it comes to clarity and communication, when you're remote, like you just have to be that much more vigilant in terms of communicating what you need. 
for example, one thing we've been doing over time and specifically lately is having instruction manuals on everything, checklists on everything, right? Because when you're in an office environment, it's very like, there's a lot of like sort of learn by doing and learn by like watching and observing. Um, you can look over someone's shoulders, you can call someone over quite easily. Um, when you're in a remote environment, uh, you don't really have that luxury in the same degree. So uh, things can be misinterpreted quite easily, especially via like, you know, let's say Slack messages or email, right? There's, it, it lacks that contextual tone. So conflicts could be, could arise based on misinterpretations or people are doing tasks or, or, or executing on things incorrectly because you weren't clear enough in your communication. At any rate, I think uh, in, in terms of us, you know, like the, the whole remote environment, we've, we've gotten used to it, um, first of all. And I think every day we still try to get better at this way of work is this doesn't really come super naturally, you know, to, to everyone. Um, I think for one, when we're looking for a team member, we're, we're really stressing this fact, right? It's like, hey, you know, some nowadays people probably have more exposure and they realize the upsides and downsides. But a lot of times there's this like sort of idealization of like, oh yeah, remote work, work from home, no commute, like it's great working your PJs, right? But when we're hiring into the team, we really like vet that out. We're like, okay, well, you know, like, do you understand the isolation that could come from that? You know, like, cause, cause people are social animals, right? And, and, and when you're in a work environment where you're spending eight, 10 hours a day, whatever it might be, like, that's part of your social sort of interaction. And when you're behind a screen, you lack a lot of that, right? So, so being able to, to find people who can adapt or who are naturally more inclined to be able to operate in that environment helps a lot. Um, I know for myself, like uh, I, I, this is, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable, you know, I'm like sitting in front of the screen for eight hours uh, the entire week. Um, so, so at any rate, I think, I think there, there are a lot of challenges, but at the same time, it, it really forces you to, to increase your communication, to, to be very clear with um, both the people you're talking to, but also the core values and DNA of your company, right? So one thing um, I've seen with, uh, with COVID, both for us, but also for our clients and other brands that we've observed, is it really brings into the forefront a lot of things that are very latent before, right? Both the good and the bad. So for example, like uh, um, just for ourselves, for example, uh, we were able to retain all of our customers, all of our clients through through the crisis so far, knock on wood, right? Um, we Yes, we've had to talk to a few and have some frank conversations in terms of adjusting pricing or terms and, and just to help with cash flow and such because not everyone, um, you know, some, some were really getting hurt and then there are a handful that were actually benefiting from demand there might be medical supplies or something like that but i think i think that is a testament to the investment we made in producing a quality service in connecting with the clients and really like treating them as partners right at the same time i'm seeing it in 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 you know on the retail side or on on the brand side and we work with a lot of e-commerce brands and we also look at a lot of them where the ones with a connection with their end customer uh, and, and are able to like surface that and communicate with authenticity at this point, right? For example, like founder emails or, or communication there, it gets embraced uh, and, and the customers actually come kind of rally up to, to help a brand, right? So, so whereas a lot of the things, these things in a normal, you know, uh, bowl environment where everything's going well, like it's, it's underlining, right? You see bits and pieces of it, but it doesn't come in such like stark contrast as when um, things are in, in, in crisis, right? On the other hand, what I've also seen a lot on the negative side, right? Where it's like there are problems uh, and now, now there are more problems, right? That really, really come into play. So anyways, I, I, I think that is, is something distinct across a lot of businesses I've seen. What types of motivating factors that you do with the teams to keep motivated with just the the same day-to-day tasks that you're used to doing already remotely? In terms of like more like tactics, I guess, um, is my interpretation of that question. Uh, there, there are a couple things we did, we've done, not necessarily because of COVID, there are a couple, uh, but also prior to COVID that really, I really liked. One, being a remote team, it's really hard to instill a sense of culture and values. For us, like we have three core uh, kind of categories of values, thinker's mind, champion's heart, and helper's hand. 
Uh, and essentially, we organize our work, we organize rewards, we organize recognition all around those values. Um, and we just like every team stand up team meeting, we just like repeat it. It's like a cult almost like everyone just repeats them. We go do take turns. But I think I think one thing that was probably a bit of a mistake in the beginning, but now like we really embraced it is, um, you know, I, I grew up like very much like um, motivated by needing to do more right and and like feedback critical feedback for me like empower like i'm like oh yeah you, you say i can't do it I, i'm gonna do it right but not everyone's motivated that way so so uh, i i would say like maybe in the earlier years of our existence we, we probably focus a bit more on like hey this is wrong this is wrong it's a mistake do it better do it better instead of like hey positive reinforcement and say hey that was great and here's the critical feedback right and you can do better but that was great so one thing we did is actually we have a slack channel that's called positive shout outs and it's my favorite slack channel in, in like all the slack channels basically it's like a daily stream of uh, of our coworkers just uh just saying, hey, look, like client really loved it, our email here, or hey, I want to thank so and so and so and so for like fantastic work, or you know, really going the extra mile and help me out here, and so on and so forth. So it's like it's it's a constant string of like everyone gets exposed. There's a lot of positivity around it. I think it helps make the spirits rise, right? Um, whether in in the current environment or not. And and I, I really liked uh, when we implemented that. So it was like very simple, pretty intuitive, but having that focus on positivity um, relating to what Walter was saying as well is uh, has had a good impact in terms of morale and also just our general directions. Beyond that, we've uh, started doing some of these coffee breaks, which are, you know, they're, they're short weekly, maybe like 30 minutes each time, um, where it's non-mandatory. People can jump in, turn on videos, get a coffee, get a drink, uh, and, and just don't talk about work. Just kind of shoot the breeze for a little bit and I think that that helps like kind of decompress a little bit when at other times you're just like super focused uh, especially now we're like super super focused on clients not that we weren't before at all but like it's just we're dialing it up trying to dial it up right I think all those fat all those little tactics come into play and have been really helpful in terms of just keeping the morale up and and keeping the the values front and center as we go forward right before we open this up to kind of everybody uh, i've got some wonderful kind of group wrap-up questions i want to ask each of you for you to just chime in whenever but because of your your marketing world i'm just going to ask you what is the the best one being a customer or not a customer or current client of yours now that you have seen come to you as a customer of that brand that you said man i wish we would have thought of that or, or guided that kind of conversation we've produced quite a few you know we, we we've uh, and obviously some of them are just like geared towards the current environment uh, for example like apparel kind of a lot of work from home sort of setups and things like that that's really fun we have a retailer that sells sort of equipment for dogs like harnesses and things and they made like a little a dog theme like masks uh, and those, those are all quite fun but I think I think what was really uh, the ones that stood out to me were, were ones where it's like it, it shows behind the scenes of the people involved in the the process of that product right so um, these ones some like I think my favorite one's probably one where it's just like a little gift of the warehouse workers wearing you know full gloves and face masks and everything right and then just like putting the the things and uh, the, the products in their packages and waving right and then the coffee was like hey you know we're still open for business like blah 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 and 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 it's coming from like the founder right like that level of authenticity I think is is really like it, it for me, like I'm, I wasn't even a, a um, uh, I wasn't even really a, a, a customer of that brand. I just saw it on social, right? And I'm like, that that's awesome because, like, ultimately, people relate to people. They relate to products, of course, too. But it's like it's it's the humanity behind it, and it's that authenticity that hey, we all are kind of unified in this boat, and we all are suffering in different degrees, and and to be able to see that people are pushing through it and to be able to get back into that. Like, I think, I think that's what solidifies a brand and, and, and I loved it. So now I definitely want to open this up to Peter Valter X as well. I'm very curious uh, because this has probably been something that's weighed on a lot of people that are in your shoes. Uh, 
pun intended, Peter. Uh, but uh, have there been any type of external resources that any of you have had to reach out or utilize to continue to keep your company going or to be able to operate on a daily function? We applied for the PPP loan, fingers crossed. I mean, it's just, th this is, this is like crisis management for us. This is, this is like crisis management on, on steroids. I mean, we've, we've cut our expenses down to probably about a fourth of what they were four months ago. The name of the game for us is survival. Right. Um, that's, that's the, the objective is to survive and come out the other side with a stronger, better, more diversified business. Uh, but you know, we're not, we're not going to have that business unless we, we survive first. So, you know, cut costs and try to find the, the, the running water in terms of revenue. And I think, I think for us, what has been, as I told before, we're a little older, our business is, uh, you know, our, my company is 90 years old. That doesn't mean that we're not uh, focused on working from home, as I said before, but for us, key was to get 750 people uh, a work from home station and using other resources to get that done. It seems especially from a U.S. point of view, it's a lot more common to work from home than it is in Europe. Uh, so that seems easy, uh, but you know, you, you want people, we didn't know how long this was gonna last. So uh, just looking at your laptop screen is not very convenient. So having screens out to everybody, having, making sure that, you know, everything is connected, that everybody has the, you know, we, we obviously have, have security, you know, to be able to log in from home, make that easier. And on the other hand, making sure, you know, using external resources to, to send care packages to all of our employees uh, to make them feel at home. And on the other side, uh, you know, we, we caught a lot in costs as well, not necessarily because you have to at that moment, but the insecurity of when do you need your money and your cash? is going to be crucial in the next couple of months or years, who knows? So, uh, you know, we, we used a lot of resources from that perspective. So our IT department, for example, has been fantastic and incredible on doing this. In two days, everybody had their stuff. So that's the, the resources uh, we used. We're a public company too. So we also have to make sure that, you know, we explain what we're doing and Right. Um, <laughs> and, and what we do with our money is another, another thing. Uh, we, we plan to pay the dividend. Uh, you know, we, we put that on hold to make sure that you know, we can do everything we can for our employees and for our customers. Actually, yeah. you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, so I, I want to give a little bit of context because I know um, it's affected different businesses differently. Um, so for us, it was very much the last two weeks of March um, when kind of in, in mid-March, everything went on lockdown across the world uh, where basically there was a lot of uncertainty and there's still uncertainty, but it was it was like the, the sales pipeline froze, right? Our clients were experiencing different levels of, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of decay there. Uh, and so uh, I'm in a services business. So so my biggest cost by far is the cost of service, meaning primarily wages. Um, like our overhead is, especially since we're remote, right? Like our overhead's almost nil. I also have some software costs. So um, for us, it was very much like, okay, we, we had to come up with a contingency plan with multiple degrees of alert, basically, you know, like yellow, orange, red, and critical. Um, and, and those all evolved uh, revolved around salary cuts and or in, in the later stages having to lay off people based on sort of um, uh, like critical essential workers and, and senior, uh, seniority as well. So we, we had four levels of that starting with, uh, you know, some management uh, pay cuts. Obviously, we, we suspended bonuses for time being. And, uh, and so far, like, you know, we haven't had to go very far there. Um, because at least uh, in April, we, we saw a, a huge bounce back in demand um, for what we do. So not, not all of it was like demand because their businesses are all growing, right? There, there is a lot of like, hey, like I can't spend as much on advertising because of cash flow, right? How can we use a effective channel like email to, to really, you know, get started or, and or to get my dollar further, right? So, so we got some of that. We also got businesses that were pivoting. 
um, from like, you know, bricks and mortar into more of the online presence. In our, our, our standpoint, uh, we, we actually have, have seen quite, quite a growth in demand um, in April. So we've never had to, so far, have to activate the, the higher levels of the contingency plan. But we, we definitely put that in place. Um, had you know, some emergency meetings with upper management and then try to communicate that to a team as quickly as possible um, because we, we, we knew that, you know, it's on everyone's minds, right? And, right? and we want to just be like transparent about that. Say, hey, we're all in the same boat. This is this is the plan. Um, and, and y'all all know what to expect if we hit these sorts of thresholds, um, which luckily has been okay. So we, we haven't had to really tap into external resources as much as we might have. I think you made an interesting comment there about, you know, brick and mortar stores going online. I think that it, it became very clear. This was a, this was obviously something that was going on for the last, I don't know how many years that the, the whole omni-channel strategy of retailers on, on how to deploy their products, both online and in brick and mortar stores. I think it becomes very clear to certain retailers that they haven't been doing a good job there. Um, so, and now they have to pivot to, towards like, how do I get my omni-channel in place? Uh, and it, that, that was in two months became very obvious that there was one retailer, I don't really recall the name right now, that had to close their online shop because they couldn't deploy the products. Uh, and so it, I find your comment very interesting. I think there's a good market for it now that, you know, people think, oh boy, maybe I need to sell online now a little bit, do that a little bit better. Yeah. And what what's really interesting is beyond, because because I think the retail to e-commerce part is, is fairly um, easy to grasp, right? But what's interesting is I'm seeing like in people really innovating on new business models that really take offline businesses, traditionally offline businesses, and just finding new ways to sell it online. You know, so it, it, like tra in-person trainings, right? That translates to webinars. And then, um, you know, uh, I'm talking to, to like yoga studios and things like that, where, where they're, they're really like, okay, well, how do I have a customer base that I've built up over the years, right? But now I can't deliver them the value in the way I'm used to delivering it. So how do I still like figure out a way to, to do that in this environment? So, so it's actually quite interesting. I, I, I think like this crisis on, on the bright side is, is a spark for innovation. And, and I think like coming out of it, we're going to see some new um, business models and tactics develop uh, around industries that may um, traditionally not have been very exposed to the digital world. So yeah, I that's agree. pretty cool. That's going to be, I just, the other week I did the, uh, actually, some a customer of mine, her husband, is a personal trainer mm -hmm. uh, for celebrities, and she said, "Hey, do you want to do a training with him online? He's figuring it out how he needs to do it, so he needs some people to to do it with." And I can tell you that he he killed me regardless, even online. <laughs> so hey, it still works, right? <laughs> yep. To wrap up, how do you envision? Uh, if COVID were to end, you know, tomorrow, everything was gone back to what we used to know as normal. Um, how, how do you feel you're set up for that and positionally? So, so COVID ends tomorrow and things go back to normal, except the impact of COVID it carries forward. Correct. Is that right. Yeah. Um, I mean, as it relates to our business? Sure, yeah. Or even yourself yeah. personally. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't know. I'm still trying to, you know, figure it out. I mean, there's, uh, you know, people say the handshake is dead and, you know, there's this, all sorts of like societal things that will change. Um, but uh, I think... I th I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, one of the things that will happen, I, I'm hopeful for a couple of things. Uh, and one of them is I think more personal than, than, than business. Uh, that one is that um, like remote work gets accelerated mm -hmm. like a decade in a year, um, both like acceptance for it and, and people's ability to do it. Um, and then I'm, in general, e-commerce, um, you know, I'm kind of what, what uh, everybody was, was just talking about. Uh, I'm hopeful that e-commerce in general 
gets gets sort of accelerated uh, and you know more folks figure out how to sell online new channels develop you know better ways for engagement etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you know in our business we still have barriers to purchase around you know for example fit um, off of, you know, people buying shoes off of e-commerce is, is still a barrier to purchase. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, this sort of forces people to become more comfortable with purchasing different things or engaging in different ways digitally, um, which ultimately, you know, would, would, would benefit us. I think the experience is going to be so much different, like shaking hands, obviously is a, is a, an obvious one, but uh, how are people gonna feel in stores or do they you know how, how are they gonna be approached what, what is that gonna do to people um, so it's I think it made an impact already uh, it's never gonna go back to normal in my opinion this has made such a big impact on everybody on our on our, on our kids on on our, on our parents uh, you know I don't see how we could go back to normal maybe I'm wrong uh, but and you'll see that in business life too. So I agree with you. The, the 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 you know the acceleration of working from home is going to be massive. More in Europe, in my opinion, than in the U.S. Uh, because in U.S. it was already a thing. A lot of people, but still, uh, but people can you know use smaller offices. Uh, that, that's for sure. It's not going to be as they find out that hey, people are not cheating on you. They still work when they work from home. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. I think I'm a little contrarian there um, in, in the sense that I, I, I do agree there's some stickiness in terms of long-term behavioral changes, right? Or societal perceptions, let's say comfort on or online or work from home. Um, I think in terms of like the social aspect, uh, short-term, yes, that people will be a bit more wary about things. Um, but I also feel like history has a really short memory or people have a really short memory of history rather. So, um, probably you know get, get, give it a couple quarters I think people are just gonna be like <laughs> the same uh, in terms of like you know personal and social interactions um, so. yeah so we'll see on your on your comment on e-commerce uh, if you look at when the biggest spike in Asia was on e-commerce JD and Alibaba it was actually after SARS uh, so when when that happened in Asia, that that e-commerce business in Asia took off like crazy. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if exactly the same happens here. Uh, you know, we never faced this kind of pandemic pandemic here in the U.S. Yeah. So I would I would expect the same reaction. Who knows? But I was interested to read that study. I'll, I'll forward it to you. Yeah, that'd be great. I love it. I think I'm going to take it even a, I'm going to times 10 UX because I, I'm a hugger and I like, I'm, I will do that with people. I, I meet pretty soon just because I feel like there's just that, that thing about the connection of humans. And I, when I moved to Boston two years ago, you know, most Bostonians uh, don't hug. And so making and, and, and coming up to people and hugging, they're like, who, what are you? Who are you? What are you doing? And so I, to me, when I think about what's happening in the world, I'm like, that was like, that's like what, I think Boston's always had that COVID mentality. So <laughs> I, I think ultimately, I, I agree. I think, I think people will, we have a short-term memory. And I think we do desire that human connection, especially as much as we have been closed off now, I, th I think we will see within a month and we'll forget. Then of course, maybe there's a second wave, but that's a whole nother conversation at another time. But uh, I wanna be respectful of your time. You guys have done uh, a wonderful service of communicating. Uh, if to wrap this up, if you can in one sentence, maybe two, uh, really, what advice do you have from your experience during this right now? Like what advice do you want to share to everybody? that might might give us another day to hang on to i guess i would say if you're if you're selling a consumer product uh that is not like hygiene or or, or i don't know comfy slippers um find a way to adjust your product to resonate within uh the the moment um, or the context of the moment Care to elaborate a little bit on that? Just a tad? That was one second. That was one sentence. <laughs> I know you did. You did. You, you're, you're following the rules. Good. Good on. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that's. I mean, um, that that's exactly the challenge that we were facing with selling, you know, beautiful leather wear them outdoors boots is that it just doesn't speak to the moment. Right. Um, so, you know, you got to find a way to, to really like tune in with your customers. I thought uh, these guys made a great point earlier that businesses um, that have access to their customers um, and, and are close to them or already have a conversation going with them from a brand perspective uh, you know, I, I think those businesses have a real advantage. Um, but yeah, you, you got to figure out, you know, how, how can you empathize with your customers, understand where they're at and, and speak to them. Um, and if you don't do that, you're just not, you're not going to sell. I would say um, probably first survival first, right. And then adaptation. Um, and then if uh, you're in a decent spot, just, focus on being really, really, really good, like outstanding, whether you're selling services, whether you're selling products and outstanding across the board from the customer experience to the, the end products or service you're selling to the, uh, to the way you communicate to everything. Because ultimately there, I feel like there's always space in the business world and the world in general for, for companies and firms and organizations that are truly outstanding. So keep that like North star and focus on it. I agree. I think one of the things that are going to be very essential is that when you are, uh, you know, implementing products and, and like Peter said, you have to change, make sure that you create a very quick path to approval of the product or not. So do quick prototyping, make sure that, you know, you, you, you sure yourself because this world changes by the day. So you got to make, like very quick adjustments to your product or your product offering, whether that's a service or hardware, uh, make sure that you get very quick approval of your customer base, whether that's a good fit or not, uh, because it's going to be key to move quick. And it was already, it's going to, you know, it was already uh, a quick moving economy and a quick moving world. It's only going to get quicker and faster and changes are coming upon us so much, so, so much, faster now you saw with the pandemic from one day to another bars are closed so what are you doing now right so how do you how do you uh, test that real quick i think that's going to be key and it, it sounds very easy uh, but stay positive you know find positive things in every day and, and you know help your your colleagues or your loved ones if you see they're down because that's gonna it's it's gonna be a tough one on on a lot of people mentally and i'm not sure if that's uh, if there's, there's enough focus on that. So those two things, I would say. Nice. Excellent. I, I, I find that you guys all have these great, uh, moments of conversation of what these ideas are. And I have one simple one and it's even simpler than vouchers. And that is just take a shower. That's, that's all I've got. I appreciate everyone, you guys joining us. Uh, there will be a wrap up of this, of course. Uh, this video will be available online for everyone to view. Uh, we'll have this also blasted out in the podcast uh, here in a few days. And uh, Peter, X, Bowser, thank you very much and look forward to chatting you guys in the real world. We'll all give a big group hug. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks Take for care, having guys. us. Much appreciated. Thanks again for listening to today's episode here at TAS CEO. You can learn more about what we do by visiting our website. Head on over to TASCEO.com.